What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast this week. I am your host, Matt Guest, out in Viva Las Vegas, wearing his brew sweatshirt, ready to go. It's almost opening day. It's Matt Morris. What's up, buddy? What's good, dog? Chilling. Uh, Happy. Got the download of the show tonight, so... I think Call of Duty is probably going to hit a back burner. I uh, played a couple of games before we jumped on tonight of Call of Duty and got absolutely smoked in, in Resurgence. So I think it's time. Like, had a really nice, well, it's been about a year since COD has been out and like definitely preoccupied my time, but like got bigger and more important shit to focus on. So bring on the show, bring on baseball season. You know, <laughs> like we're going to be pumping baseball content all summer. Might as well link that up with my little video game action and, uh, other than that, dude, nothing. It's still pretty cold out here, which is kind of a bummer. We hit up this, uh, I think it's called Foodie Land. It's a, it's a California thing on mm. Sunday at the uh, Motor Speedway and was definitely not vibing it because, of course, I work late Saturday nights. So waking up on Sundays is annoying as all hell. And we drive all the way out there, like 45 minute drive, and we park and wait for our buddies to show up and I'm just watching these big old motherfuckers start getting out of their cars and like, you know, people are rolling blunts and I'm like, what did I drive back into like the inner city of Milwaukee? Like what is going on here? And then you got some of the families pulling their kids in. Like, I kid you not like what looked like wheelbarrows, but they're uh, like, what do you call those things? The not What's strollers. The, yeah. Like the little wagon. I know wagons. what you're talking about. Like Dude. The, the red rag, wa- <laughs> red, wagon. red wagon. Yeah. But yeah, these yeah. kids were too big to walk. So they had to put them in a wagon and I'm like, you're bringing them to like, <laughs> a food event this probably isn't a good idea so i went in with bad energy and i'll tell you the food was delicious it was a great experience <laughs> like i'd say maybe 50 60 different vendors and they kind of like set it up fair wow. style and everything was overpriced everything was 15 20 bucks so it was like you're gonna spend for what you get but you know we kind of had a little group and we all tried different things and it was it was delicious so if you're out in California and you've got Foodie Land, check it out. Um, be prepared though. Spend two hours. Once you're full, get the hell out of there because it's like fighting through a concert crowd. <laughs> so everyone's just like getting super high and just like, yeah, I'm gonna eat everything, everything. here today. Um, yeah, it's probably like a that seems like an LA thing. I've never heard of Foodie mm-hmm. Land, but I live in a much smaller town in California now, so I don't need to worry about that. I th- the big thing around here during the summertime, one of the big things. Um, they have the Mac and cheese fest, Mm. which I haven't been to yet, but living here for almost four years now, every single summer, I'm like, I need to go to the Mac and cheese fest and haven't. So maybe this year I will, if I do, I'll report, um, here on the podcast, but I think that's kind of stupid for foodie land before we move on to what we want to talk about is you have all these vendors there, but everything is overpriced. So you really only get to pick and choose between, you know, three, eh, we'll say five, maybe eight places to eat because you're actually having full-blown meals whereas i feel like it'd be a lot more fun and better for everyone if you could have like 15 different things and be like oh i'd actually eat that food truck again or i'd rather have that type of cuisine i don't know if it's that type of event i don't really know it but having to spend a hundred bucks on three things sounds kind of shitty you know where i'd rather like i have 60 different things to choose from i'd love to try at least fuck 15 of them Right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Am I am I missing yeah. how this works? No, no, you're spot on, and that was kind of the problem. So we you, we walked in, and it was around the motor speedway. Like they didn't let you inside of the actual track or the stands or anything. So they they kind of did it outside. It was kind of weird, like very cramped, but yet open enough where like two three thousand people can like walk around. Again, it was cramped, um, and then like first 
vendors right out of the gate, you're like, okay, we're not walking to them. So you kind of walk past them and then they open up a corridor where it's like four different rows, fair style, where there's a row in between where people walk. Gotcha. And gotcha. so we checked out the lines and the lines were ridiculous. They were like 20 to 25 people, groups of people each. And we're like, damn. So we were, <laughs> we were, there were four of us. So we were like, all right, one person per line. We're all going to buy one Love thing that. per line and then we're going to like reconvene and we're going to try each thing, you know, like, so now we're at 60 bucks right off the pop. We'll call it 75 to 80 with, you know, a drink or two. And we're trying each other's things and we bounce to another couple and we buy some more things. And then we bounce to another couple. We buy a couple more things and then we're full. So at that point we're 300, uh, 250 in, right? All of us as a right. group. Yeah. And um, 50 bucks ahead, 50 bucks ahead, men. And, um, the best one that I liked the most was one of the ones at the end. I, I of course don't have the patience to do anything in life. So like, I'm like, where's the, where's no line. So I go down to the end and there's like this, um, it's basically like what I thought was like new Orleans kind of cuisine. It was like uh, seafood fries, cheese fries. And then they had like this list where it was like, you can get four pieces of fried chicken. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm not doing that. So I kind of walk away and I'm like, no, you know what? Like there's no line. Like what's 15, 20 bucks. I'm gonna buy some fried chicken. It was wings. It should have been presented on the menu as wing. Cause that's what it was. <laughs> and dude, they were insanely good. Like, I mean, <laughs> unreal. And Shout we're all out. loving the wings. So at the end, like after we eat our first round, we walk back over there and I'm like, Hey, like, I'm really interested. You know, you're here at foodie land. Like I'm, I want to know if you have a Vegas location. And the girl's like, no, we're actually in San Francisco. I was kind of Classic. bummed out. I walked away and I was like, damn, you drove all the way from San Francisco for this. Like, and you had no line. That sucks. And then another place we hit up that we really enjoyed was from Sacramento. And I was like, shit, like that sucks too. And a few of the vendors we ate at were from, from Vegas. So I took, you know, a little picture and was like, all right, we'll check you out later. But I was like, that really blows because I would have been a regular at this wing place. You know, if you guys yeah. don't know, as listeners, I eat chicken. I have Wingstop in the fridge. I eat Wingstop like twice a Matt week on minimum. Um, so that I felt like was missed opportunity. But one of the vendors told me that this is a California thing. So my guess is like they have a roster and they send out an email blast. that's like, hey, we're doing Vegas. We're doing Sacramento. We're doing L.A. Like, you know, who's right. in, who's out. And people just get to say, hey, we're in. And that way, if you're one of the California businesses and you happen to like have one up in Sacramento, people are like, oh, dope. Okay, well, now I can come to your business or in San Francisco. Like now I know the wing stop, you know, my, my wing place in San Francisco. So cool. But this was the first year they did Vegas. So I think you'll probably we'll probably see more vendors rotate. And um, yeah, it was it was a cool event, dude. Okay, that sounds cool. Um, I probably will never do it. I'm more of a drinker than an yeah. eater um and speaking of that i'm drinking right now while we record per usually you just have a beer white claw whatever okay i'm drinking this can here of freedom you see that right freedom budweiser freedom. straight love to see it love light beer love budweiser maybe sponsors fucking who knows um <laughs> my question for you though is what is your take and your thought on expired beer with context this beer expired in December of 22. What is your thought on expired beer? Tastes great. Well, dude, after being a bartender for 12 years and like not actually listening or educating myself at all because I've never found it interesting, I would have to just assume that beer is probably like canned food where in reality it probably doesn't go bad for like five, realistically five years. Thank you. Carbonation. Um, Thank you. 
I I don't know, dude. I, I really don't. I've had experiences in my life where like people have like bought a beer at the bar and like it happened to be expired because like it was one of the beers we don't ever sell. So it was probably in the fridge for like a year and a half and people are like, I don't like this. This is bad. And then we find out it's expired and it's like, oh, I don't know, don't know the reason for that. But I don't have a scientific reason for you. Uh, I would probably have no problem drinking it myself. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I was just thinking like uh, we got gifted these beers from the liquor store next to our kayak shop that we own and all this stuff um he's like i have this crate of expired beer um do you want it and i was like hell yes like yes yes i well of course but what do you mean if it tastes bad i'll throw it away it's free it's expired i've drank a lot of them now and they taste fine they work and I don't seem to get a worse hangover. So I just wanted to ask your expert opinion, which isn't an expert opinion. <laughs> what are your thoughts on expired beer? My take, drink it. You'll know if you, first of all, if you're going to drink expired beer, you drink beer. So you know if it tastes bad. That's my take. And these taste fine. They do the job. They taste great. And come on, dude. Freedom. Are you fucking serious? We're drinking freedom today on a Tuesday, Monday night. Love to see it. Well, and this is something I learned too. And this is, um, something I'm glad I learned from like medicine. Medicine has an expiration date on it. Medicine doesn't expire. Now that's a loose term. I'm sure medicine does have a point in time when like it's could be negatively and detrimental to the body. But um, my aunt was telling me, she's like, technically they put an expiration date on there so that like, and it's pretty like soon after buying it too. So that when you, as a consumer, go to check in your medicine cabinet, you check it out and you're like, oh, it's expired. You throw it out, you buy a new one, right? Like it's all back to the follow the money, the consumerism. Yeah, um, the Rockefellers. Can, can, can we, uh, should we should we jump on this right now and just tell people this new project we have? <laughs> this is this is for a, another podcast at another time that is in the works. But um, the pharmaceutical companies will do anything to get you to buy more drugs. Heard yes. it here first. Yeah. So Matt and I have talked, and this is again, as he said, for a future podcast. But we uh, we wanted to do something fun and kind of sh- like shake it up a little bit. You know, obviously. This is probably going to be geared at us and just enjoying conversation a little bit more. Um, but we are going to do a down the rabbit hole segment moving forward on future shows where we talk about something a little bit more tinfoil or possibly just a topic that can spiral into a much deeper conversation. But we'll keep it right. simple. So we'll have an email for you where you can send in some ideas if you want to hear about things. Um, and again, this is a project that's in the works. We'll probably ro- be rolling that out, Matt. What, like maybe a month, a couple of weeks, yeah, like say a few up weeks in the air. A month, but yeah, yeah, no, and it'll be like to elaborate. It's just it'll be to have the listeners email us something mm-hmm. down the rabbit hole that we look up that maybe we've looked up or haven't in the past to discuss, analyze, talk about, and have some fun with because. Um, we like to keep our minds open, not shut here. Unlike the Baltimore Ravens, which will lead us <laughs> right into um, our first topic of conversation today, which um, is really fun. It, it, this whole Lamar Jackson situation, I, a I can't believe that it's gotten to this situation where Lamar has quote unquote officially requested for a trade. But the fact that they weren't able to close a deal with him earlier on honestly two off seasons ago to get him locked up before the Deshaun Deshaun Watson contract came out. That was their first mistake. And now Lamar feels disrespected. And for some context for the listener, if you guys didn't know what happened during the um, 
what is the owner's meetings today is that John Harbaugh sat down for his meeting in Arizona. I want to say it was like 7.45, 8 a.m., two minutes after John Harbaugh, the coach for the Baltimore Ravens, sat down to conduct his interview with the press at these meetings. Lamar Jackson tweets out a three-part tweet saying that he requested a trade basically an entire month ago and that he was saying his goodbye to all his fans and the Ravens fans in general and put John Harbaugh in a really awkward position to answer questions that he didn't want to answer during this meeting. And my question to you, Matt, is A, do you really think, I guess two-party question, A, do you really think the Ravens are going to let him go? And B, if the Ravens don't get a deal with done with Lamar and no one else offers him that contract to get him out of Baltimore. Does he sit out all of this season? So I want to start this off by saying, yes, I think they're willing to let him go for those two first round picks that are attached to the tag. Because I think at this point, genuinely Baltimore sees what some of us on the outside also see is that Lamar a is an injury risk. And B has a timeline and a, and a time stamp for his career in terms of like elite productivity, which for me is about three more years. And I could be wrong. I, I hope he proves me wrong because I love watching him play. Um, I would love for him to kind of break this trend that, you know, mobile quarterbacks before the age of 30, right after the age of 30, definitely run into issues. And I think they're viewing it as we haven't been able to get a deal done. We might as well rebuild the core of our team accumulating these draft picks, you know, number one team attached to him is Atlanta. That would be a nice position to have. I think they're eight, nine in the draft this year. You could really start to rebuild the foundation of this team. And also Greg Roman's gone. So if they keep him, they now have to build a new offensive strategy around the new OC. So there's a lot of question marks there. Secondly, I think this just goes right to the core of he hasn't had an agent. He's been doing these negotiations himself and I think originally he was applauded for that because, hey, you don't have to pay an agent fee, right? You don't have to give the agent a percentage of your contract that's going to be massive and, and heavily guaranteed. But I think you're seeing the, the downfalls of this from a player's perspective because it has to be harder to negotiate with the sole player. Also, if that sole player just has a number that they're not going to accept beyond what the team is offering, the agent can't whisper in their ear, listen, you have to take this deal because no one around the NFL is going to give you a better deal. I know that as your agent, I'm, I'm only doing what's in your best interest because it's only my best interest as well. And then thirdly, teams can't reach out to his agent. His agent can't reach out to other teams. You know, I, I don't understand the, the workings of this, but it can't be as easy as the Atlanta GM reaching out to Lamar saying, hey, I, I want to trade for you because first and foremost, he has to get permission from the team. You know, when you have an agent, you can do a lot of backdoor deals that are tampering without the proof of tampering. So I think Lamar put himself in a really difficult position here because he chose to go with a non-agent route. And I think ultimately he will sit out the 2023 season. And I'll tell you this, Matt, he is only going to hurt himself by doing that because I do believe other teams view him the same way the Ravens do, which as which is a risky asset. And when you have to guarantee that much money, we've already seen it with Deshaun Watson. It can really cripple your team if you if you bet wrong. Yeah, um, I definitely, I don't disagree with you, but I think 
I think Lamar's doing the right thing. Now, I don't disagree with you in the fact that he's probably put himself into a situation that isn't the most advantageous for him, but I also think there's got to be a team out there that will give him the number he's looking for. I really do. Like, there's, there is a team, 100%. And the reason why Deshaun Watson screwed all this up is because, let's be honest, prime Deshaun Watson before the allegations and the bullshit with the massages and all that, he's a better quarterback than Lamar, yeah. right? Like he is, but he's not as accomplished. You know, he hasn't won the couple playoff games. He hasn't won the MVP. He hasn't put up the numbers that Lamar had um, in his own right. Now, Deshaun did, you know, great things. and He's a really good football player. But I think Lamar does have some leverage to the fact that I guarantee you someone will give him that contract. There is one owner out there, whether it's Jim or saying Indianapolis whether it's the guy, uh, was it Roseman in Atlanta, whether it's the Carolina Panthers that are desperately doing anything to win games, someone will give him that number he's looking for. And I think he'll get it. From the from the Ravens, probably not, right? But when you look at it on the other side, to your point about the Ravens, is that if you look back on the success of the Baltimore Ravens map, they haven't needed a quarterback right through their entirety of their franchise being founded in the mid nineties. They've both Super Bowls They've had, let's be honest with average to people say one of the worst quarterbacks to ever win a Super Bowl. And what have they done leading up to this point is they stockpiled that defense. Obviously Harbaugh is still a great coach. They have a great culture there and they're still in a very winnable division. Even though I love those Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm sure the Ravens are sitting there thinking, look, we will give you top dollar, right? And top dollar is what we're offering you. And that's not fully guaranteed. And that's not our fault because that's what the players union negotiated. And I also agree with you in the fact that I think they are ready to move on as a guy who roots for the Ravens, because that's my ladies team. It breaks my heart because I love Lamar, but I think there are certain teams in this league that you can trust, know what they're doing, and the Ravens are one of them. And I think if they can get those first two picks, or two uh, two, uh, two first-round picks, and I've heard, and it's just today because that report came out, but it looks like the Colts are looking to make that offer with that fourth pick. I think if I'm the Colts, and if I'm the Ravens, we write this ship that was bad history of the Indianapolis Colts stealing the Colts from Baltimore. And let's right that wrong. Let's take this problem off your hand, huh, Baltimore? Let us take Lamar Jackson here in Indianapolis. You got Jonathan Taylor. You've got a pretty solid defense. You've got a very winnable division. Is Will Levitz the guy, Matt? He's not. You know he's not. Is Richardson the guy? Maybe, but he's a project. Is Lamar Jackson going to give you a chance to win the AFC South? 100%. I think if you're the Colts, you give him the money, you give up that pick, and if you're the Ravens, fuck, you might have to play Hundley this year. Or shit, maybe you go sign Joe Flacco, right? For one more year, bring him back for a year. Um and you play through your defense because it was one of them games last year. I don't know. This is going to be a crazy, crazy offseason for Lamar. 
Well, and and I think you bring up a good point because it's what is the what is the team in the organization looking for, you know, with with forward progress and in, in constructing. Are they looking at this like, okay, we know how heavy the 2024 quarterback class is. We know how coveted the number one overall pick in Williams is going to be. And May. People are going crazy about him this offseason, too. You got got names, right? And like, do we do we just allow Lamar to do whatever he's going to do with the concept that we're going to go into the 2023 season with Hunley as our quarterback? And we're going to do our best to be competitive competitive right but we're gonna end the season with five wins because we want to rebuild and we want to have the six overall pick with the two other draft picks that we got for lamar possibly if we can trade him or he gets signed in the tag you know uses its purpose and we move up to number one and now we have our, our future quarterback because we talked on a couple episodes ago like the rams are players for that pick houston's gonna be a player for that pick but houston will draft a quarterback this year like Next year is the year to rebuild your cornerstone at quarterback. And then the next question is, are the Ravens just too good to even consider <laughs> right. you know, winning only five games? Does that defense alone win them seven games? And Hundley hasn't been bad. I mean, that game against the Packers was probably his best game a few years ago. Um, I think ultimately Lamar Jackson ends up in Atlanta. Atlanta, to me, makes the absolute most sense. I have some question marks about Indianapolis that I can't talk about on the podcast because frankly, it's, you know, completely my own hearsay, no pun intended for hearsay. Um, <laughs> but I do think the best situation for him would be Indianapolis. It'll be very interesting. It's interesting that him and Rogers have both taken the stance against their organizations and both of them are not in a position of power anymore. Both of them basically are just sitting Isn't- out thinking, thinking they have the power, but they really don't. Well, it's not even about power. Isn't it interesting how both of them have taken it personally? I think yes. that's what's been the most interesting thing to me. And granted, I understand why they're taking it personally. I personally, like, if you and I, Matt, for our, this is our job, right? And you and I have won MVPs or we've hit target goals, whether it's sales, fucking bartend, whatever it is, we've hit the metrics better than well more than a majority of our peers. But our bosses are only willing to give us 50 cents more than the guy that you know is a piece of shit or is trash compared to you, right? Like, you are going to take that personally. And that's how they feel, Rodgers and Lamar Jackson at this point in time. We just look at it from this lens because they're football players and we're like, oh, why won't you just take the contract and not the guaranteed, you know? But fucking Lamar's put his body out there for four years. The reason he's getting hurt now is because he's ran the ball more than any quarterback in the league, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you drafted a quarterback on, you know, when I just went to the NFC championship game and different things like that. It's just interesting how both of them have taken it personally. You know, when you see a lot of guys take the high road. See, and I'm going to say this though, Matt Rodgers is, this is a hard conversation. I'm going to lean on Lamar because Rodgers has been given almost everything he's asked for outside of the weapons. But we've had this conversation a couple of times. That's true. That's what happens when you sign your massive number one quarterback in the league money. Yeah. You lose your weapons, right? I'm going to pay you all you want. And now, Matt, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stick you out with a bunch of really shitty bartenders because I'm paying you so much. You have to do the job of three people because you asked for the money and I gave it to you. So now you got a guy over here making uh, a Long Island with, you know, triple sec and uh, gin and he forgot the other three ingredients, right? Four ingredients. Okay, I get that. My fault. My bad. 
Rogers is living on his own fricking planet. He wants to be the owner of the bar himself and, you know, call the shots. Now, Lamar, you make a good point. He has put his body on the line. But if that is the tangible skill you have that makes you elite, am I supposed to feel bad for you that you're playing to your skill set, right? I feel bad for him that they stuck him with Greg Roman for so long. I have talked yeah. about that for a number of years, how I feel about Greg Roman, dating all the way back to the 49ers organization and his time with Colin Kaepernick. He has one system he runs, and it was going to run Lamar into the ground. We knew that. That was that was from day one, that was the concern. But that's your skill set, Lamar. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, if they're only offering you what they're offering you, you have no choice but to do do what you're doing now or to sign the deal. And you have to weigh the pros and cons of how much money do I lose by sitting out a year, right? If I lose $30 million, $40 million, $50 million sitting out a year, does whatever any other organization is going to give me, does that does that offset? Do I still make out in the end by making more money? There's a lot of numbers that go into play here with Lamar, and an agent would really help him understand, Lamar, if you sit out, you're not doing yourself any favors. And it's it's just really sad because his prime is coming to an end here in three years. And like, if you sit out a year, yeah, what does that tell you? You're other not teams? getting that back. You're not getting that back. And like, if I'm another, if I'm the Atlanta organization going into the 2024 off season, you know, he's another year older now. I'm not willing to give up first round pick for a guy that just sat out an entire year with two years left on his prime, bad, bad knee, you know, like, this he has to be traded or signed this this year. Otherwise, what we're going to see is we're going to look back on Lamar's career and say, "What if?" Yeah. All right. So, um, we haven't talked about this really in a while. <laughs> I don't we've even. Really lot, we've think... done a lot of talking about him over three years. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, if this happens to be your first time, welcome. Um, Matt and I are big Packer fans, big time, diehard. Matt's got a picture of Rogers behind him. He's actually got a really cool little jersey collection deal that we'll probably talk about one day once it's finalized really cool anyways we're big packer guys here on this podcast and aaron Rodgers came on pat mcafee the day after we recorded last week like we knew was gonna happen and said that his intentions were he's gonna play for the jets this year because according to aaron when he went into the darkness he was in line with the packers that he was going to come out and make his decision to them. And then while he was in there, allegedly they moved on from him, whatever. I'm not really necessarily here to talk about that. The decision has been made. The line's been drawn. Rogers is moving on, right? We can have a discussion about his legacy and all that once it's all over. But what we wanted to talk about today is from fan and GM hat perspective is what's worth it for Rogers. Realistically right now, what are we looking for out of the Packers organization to get for Aaron Rodgers? That's the discussion. Matt and I actually are on opposite ends of this one. So I will let you go first. We've discussed this, but Packers Jets negotiating a trade right now. What are you happy with for Aaron Rodgers? All right. So I'm going to start with my final my final acceptance, right? Because I'm the I'm the Packers. I'm accepting the trade ultimately here because i i feel like i have the leverage in reality you know I think yeah sorry let's people... start there my bad let's start there do you so you think the packers are in the driver's seat yeah because ultimately it's either wilson or rogers and i understand that april 30th draft is coming up and that time is of all essence here 
We don't have to make a decision until September. That's when his roster bonus has to be implemented, which ultimately really screws the cap. So right. a lot of changes would have to be made. You're going to tell me as an ownership group, as a front office group who's employed by the ownership, who has met with Aaron Rodgers, that you're going to do this to your fans the entire summer. You're talking about marketing hell. You're talking about upsetting your players as well who are anticipating a Super Bowl run, at least a playoff run. And they're just going to sit there thinking that, oh, my God, Wilson might be our quarterback. Like, are they really holding out for the number 13th overall pick? Like, there's going to there's going to be animosity created immediately if there isn't already. So the more time that ticks only plays into Green Bay's favor because say they trade him in August. Well, you know, you had your shot to give me the 13th. Now I want next year's first. I want next year's second. And I want the following year's third and fourth. Otherwise, he's not yours. And your fans are going to give you absolutely no choice but to cave to Green Bay. So I genuinely believe Green Bay is in the driver's seat here. And I think the Jets are naive with thinking, well, we've got the power. We're headed up against the draft. The Packers are rebuilding. If you give them picks this year or you give them picks next year, it really doesn't matter. Sure, you'd like those picks sooner than later. But the leverage is all that matters here. I agree with you. Continue. So we've talked off air about this, and this is going to be my my acceptable trade. At the end of the day, I will take two seconds, and I will call it a day. You take Aaron Rodgers, I get two seconds. What I want and what I would really try to push for is two seconds and a conditional pick in the 2024 draft. That conditional pick would be a third rounder if Rodgers doesn't play in 2024. It would be a second rounder if he does play in 2024. And if they won't go for that, I would try to roll it into 2025, which would be essentially a conditional second in 2025, or it turns into a first if Rodgers plays three full seasons with New York, which I think he could. That way, as Green Bay, you get your two second round picks right off the bat. You push some things into the future when Rodgers gets older, which could turn into a first round pick, could turn into nothing if he only plays one or two years. But that way you're kind of safety netting yourself against, hey, Rodgers may have won a Super Bowl. Rodgers may have played for three years. Maybe he wins another MVP and wants to stick around. Like, at least we can look our fans in the eyes and say, hey, we got good value out of him. And the last thing I wanted to add here is kind of the debate you and I are going to have. There are a lot of players in the second round, even over the last couple of years, that I think could provide immediate value for Green Bay. Uh, right now, I'm looking at the 2020 draft. You have individuals like Jalen Hurts, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, let's see here. Trevon Diggs, Jalen Johnson for Chicago, who's turned into a starting cornerback. You have Chase Claypool, K.J. Hamler. You have Cole Komet, who the Packers desperately need a tight end. Jonathan Taylor, arguably a top five running back in the NFL. And I could go on other lists here, which I wanted to, but in reality, you get the gist. There are absolute starters in the second round. You give the Green Bay Packers two second round picks this year to pair with their own. That's three players to build a foundation around Jordan Love. That should change the trajectory of where the Packers are in two years. And I'm very, very okay with that. And I'm appreciative at the same time because he was 90% retired. To get two possible starters for him, that's that's enough for me. And I'm happy with that. Yeah. And... To back your point up a little bit, so the two seconds would be 42-43, and Green Bay has 45 right now, just for context for the listeners. So um, based on Matt, what he would like and be acceptable for him on Green Bay's side would be them taking the two second-round picks this year for this year's draft in April, which would give the Packers four picks inside 
the top 50, and that would be 42, 43, and 45, which obviously they can trade two of those, move up, blah, 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 whatever. We don't need to play that game. End of the story, four picks, top 50. Great deal, right? Now, I'm on the other side of this. Not that I, I don't think that's a bad deal. Like, I'm not going to be mad as a fan or if I'm the Packers front office, if that's what happens, first of all, because that's where it seems as this is going since the Jets traded their 74th pick plus Elijah Moore for, I think it was 42 um, to Cleveland. It was either 42 or 43, one of the two. Um, Where I'm at with this, to Matt's point, which I didn't even want to expand on because you hit the nail on the head, is that the Packers have the leverage. Mm -hmm. Give me 13. And now where I'm at with that is I think that puts the Packers in a really powerful position to, if they want to, move up higher in the draft. If not, go and get both the guys they want early. Even if they reach at 15 for the guy they probably could get in the 30s because they still have 45. That's where I'm at. And I think for everything that Rodgers will do for the Jets this year is worth the 13th pick. And meaning and behind that is that you give me Mahomes and Josh Allen, maybe Burrow, Sure, Burrow, that's it in the AFC over Rodgers right now if he goes to the Jets. We've already talked about this in past pods. Right now in the NFC, he's the second best guy, and I'm barely putting Hurts in front of him, and that's just because of recency bias, and Hurts went to the Super Bowl. Like, Rodgers is a guy still. He still is. He's going to make the Jets a Super Bowl contender because he's the quarterback on their team. And if you are trading for a Super Bowl caliber individual, I don't give a fuck how bought in he is. He is a Super Bowl caliber MVP winning player. That is the 13th pick. And you take his contract. That's where I am at on this situation. Well, and what's so confusing for me is in this in this teens like range here, there are a lot of players that are going to make an impact. Now, the problem is there are not a lot of players that are going to make an impact that the Packers have of need. You and I kind of have spoken about this on the phone and like, you know, off air. Like we talked about possibly trading up to get Jalen Carter, the, the number one defensive line prospect, you know, not obviously the rush edge, which Anderson is, but we don't need him. We have Kenny Clark. You know, we have Rashawn Gary, who's coming back off the ACL and probably he's going to have a better 2024 than 2023. So, like, you know, Tyree Wilson at nine doesn't really help at this mock I'm looking at. Quinton Johnson and Jackson Smith um, and Jigba. Yeah, he's nice. Um, you know, the offensive lineman from Northwestern, who I can't pronounce, and is a Wisconsin kid at heart. <laughs> like, are you really going to tell me, New York, that these guys are so incredible and they're going to change your franchise over the next five years so drastically that you're really willing to hold out on Aaron Rodgers, it's it's just bad business. It's a really, really, really it's it's bad negotiating, because I think you're right. I think if you said, "Hey, Green Bay, I'll give you I'll give you a first, and in a year or two years, I'll give you a third, Green Bay would probably say, "You know what? I can sell that to my fans. Deal done." I think it's actually more detrimental giving up two second round picks than it is giving up the thirteenth pick in this draft. Because Bijan Robinson, absolutely love him. Packers can't draft him. You know what I mean? We have no use for him. You look at a couple of the other names here. You know, Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, maybe. But we know how offensive linemen are. They're 
they're possibly a bust. Devin Witherspoon, an absolute monster of potential at cornerback from Illinois. Packers can't draft him. Too many defensive backs already. You know, you keep on moving on here. You know, you have um, defensive line. You have more wide receivers, more wide receivers. Nolan Smith, the edge from Georgia, the kid that's an absolute combine monster. Well, he's a project, you know, like there are just names that the Jets would be taking. And I'm thinking to myself, they're not even a tenth of Aaron Rodgers. Why are we arguing about this right. at all? I, I, it, it baffles me. Right. And that's my point. Like you're the Packers take 13. And the reason I'm so gung ho about this is basically since the Packers had Rodgers and have been good, we've had top 15 or that 15 or better pick uh, off the top of my head three times, maybe three, four, three, four, yeah. maybe four times. Right. And what happens every fucking time? when we're in the mid twenties to the thirties to 42, 43. Oh shit. We were going to get Justin Jefferson, but the Vikings traded up and got him. Oh, you know, we thought about Rashad Bateman. Oh, we thought about this guy. We thought about that guy. We thought about this guy. No, fuck that. We're at 13. We're at 15. If you reach at 15 for the guy that you would have got at 25, doesn't matter. This is the year you get your guys. I get the draft class is we'll give it a B, right? Like this class, we don't have what we had last year when we were in the draft series and we're like, holy shit, we're 55 dudes deep, right? That's how we felt last year going through the draft. But if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm putting my nuts on the table. I'm taking three of the top 50 now, right? Okay, boo freaking who instead of four. And I'm getting my two guys I want. And if Jigba is the guy that I want, and I know the Bears are going to go get him at whatever the hell they're at, I go trade right in front of him, steal him, and we'll go get our other guy at 45. Like, I think this is the first time in a very long time. And this is also from a Gudikin's perspective and Matt LaFleur. This is the first, this is their legacy defining moment here, moment for them. If they fuck this up, they're done in three years, right? Like this is their opportunity to really make a splash and decide and decide to find who they want to be as Green Bay Packer management moving forward. Do you want to be Ted? Do you want to be this? Let's play conservative. Let's just build through the draft. We'll stay in our spots. We'll do what we need to do, right? Is this who we want to be? Or do we want to go get the guys that we want to go get? Are we going to go make a splash with some of these picks? Or are we going to be conservative, which got us two Super Bowls in 25 years with two hall of fame greatest of all time quarterbacks you know like this is their defining moment and i'm intrigued and i want them to be more aggressive have a little stupid cowboy in you a little jerry jones let's just draft cd lamb even though we don't need to right like let's go do that this year and that's the fan of me talking a little bit obviously well and i want to hit on exactly what you said just a minute ago the defining legacy of goot and lafleur because all I've seen from national media coverage to Twitter users to Instagram <laughs> comments is how Green Bay's front office is what needs to be traded. Green Bay's front office is, needs, is what needs to be fired. Green Bay's uh, front office is the problem. I'm not here to tell you, as a Green Bay Packer fan my whole life, that front office was nothing but handicapped by Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Nothing but handicapped. We have not seen Matt LaFleur's offense, in my opinion executed yet we're about to we have not seen a real gudikins opportunity in free agency as well as the draft because he's constantly mitigating the risk of aaron Rodgers leaving or staying because of the cap there have been so many decisions that have been altered 
because Aaron Rodgers has leveraged his power so heavily. And we have talked about that countless times on this podcast. This is the first draft where Goot gets to go out and say, hey, this is my mark. This is my opportunity to build a team that in three years possibly could be challenging for a Super Bowl because that's where the age range is on this team. You talk about Jair Alexander, you talk about Rashawn Gary, you talk about Kenny Clark, you talk about Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Jordan Love, Jordan Love. you talk about all the players on this team. They're three Watson, years. Watson, Dobbs. Yep, they're either in yep. their prime or at the end of their prime. So it's a three-year window. And at that point, if you haven't retooled, you're in trouble. So not only does he need to bring in assets that helps take this team to the next level, allow Jordan time the protection, as well as the time to develop, he needs to start thinking about, okay, how do I fill that safety position so that when Jair gets a little bit over older, he's got coverage over the top. You know, how do I figure out how to get Stokes in a position where he can play better? You know, I got to get someone next to Gary so that Gary has more of a foundational element in every single game where he's not taking on a double block every single time. There are pieces that Goot's got to do here. And it'll be very interesting to see over this year and next year's draft what he's able to construct because we will know after the 2024 draft if he's the guy for this job or not anymore. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And that's what I'm excited about, you know, and that's the come into peace mindset of losing Aaron because as I've said, not on the pod, but to all my friends that are like, oh my God, how are you doing? Is like Rogers is the girlfriend that you know you need to get rid of but just don't want to, right? Yeah. Like you love loving her, you know? You love that girlfriend. She treats you right in those type of ways. But you know you need to get rid of her because she's so damn toxic. But you also, at the same time, don't want to get rid of her because you can't look to see her with someone else, right? Like yeah. that's Aaron Rodgers. That's the baddie that got away, you know? And it's just like, Every man knows we need to flush that out, but Lord have mercy. Does it hurt to see her go? And like, that's what it is, you know, and he's an old aging vet and you're so right, Matt. How many guys have we not been able to sign because we had him under his cap or we had to go get Randall Cobb, who I love by the way. And it's just like the little things like that. And Goot still goes and gets Rasul Douglas. Keyshawn Nixon and all these little guys that make game changing season changing plays. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do with this money. And that's why I want him at 13, you know, moral to coming back full circle here is like, you're at 13, you're at 15. The world, the draft is your oyster, man. Like you go get, who's the guy? Is it the tight end from Georgia? Is it the tight end from Notre Dame? Right? Like who's the guy that you're like, I know, He's going to be the generational Green Bay Packer. Um, and I hope it works out. And to your point, this window, you've got all your money in the fun spots, right? We're in that rookie contract deal. We've got Jair. We've got Gary, who just coming off an ACL. So we'll see how he's going. We've got Kenny Clark, right? We're going to have um, Walker here pretty soon. You just signed Campbell. Let's see Dobbs on a rookie contract. Watson on a rookie contract. AJ Dillon's going to be out the door next year after his rookie contract expires. Like it's a really interesting time to be a Packer fan and I'm excited for it. And, and the expectation level dropping significantly is sad, but also exciting. Just like when you drop the expectation level in a relationship a little bit, you know, well, the, the hot girls are not worth it. 
<laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> the younger, younger selves of our own will tell you that. Um, <laughs> you know, having this conversation and it, it what it kind of rang a bell to me was the difference in fandom. And I say that in regards to what the Packers and Aaron Rodgers have given us in comparison to what the Brewers have given us. And <laughs> and it's very different because with Rodgers, we've always known there's a chance, no matter what the front office does, that we might win a Super Bowl. You know, like he, he might just get it done with what he has. And they've done a very good job. Ted did a good job, enough, enough of a job. And Goot's done a good enough job, like where he's got a top 15 team around him almost every year. So it's also not fair to say that, but he's always had a shot. You look at the Brewers and any, you know, mid to, to lower market you know, fan out there, I think can appreciate this. You're always praying to God. You've got the Tampa Bay Rays front office. You're always just hoping to God. You've got some genius in the front office that just sees into a different dimension and plucks <laughs> out talent. Because that's the only way you're ever winning a championship. It's the only shot you have. So you're constantly focused on what is the GM doing? What kind of moves are they doing? How does this trade affect us over the next 10 years? Not how does it affect us next year? And I think what we're now back to in Green Bay is a an organization operating as, again, an organization and a business. You know, these are the right decisions. These are the right pieces on the board. We're going to move according to how... The board in the game is supposed to be played, not with our king jumping around, running around in the circles, having four <laughs> or five moves at a time. And you're like, that's not really how chess is played. But OK, Aaron, you know, keep doing what you want to do. And I'm very, very excited to see the Green Bay Packers organization to finally my in the maybe the first time in my life operated like a real organization again. I agree, Matt. Packers football offseason. We're here. Thank you to the World Baseball Classic. We will do our predictions for Major League Baseball next week um, as opening day is right around the corner. We've obviously got the draft at the end of April. We are rounding out how we want to do our draft series this year, very similar to how we've done it in the past. But um, Matt and mine's work schedule, his workers comp and not knowing how to stay healthy at his bartending <laughs> job is always a thing. And um, yeah, that's neither here nor there. But we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at PitcherBetPod. And um, yeah, you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. And wait, wait, wait. lastly, um, go March. Don't think I've forgotten. The takes are coming. <laughs>